We've been going through the Holy History. The theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. All of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring all the people of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. Well, the word in Greek that we transliterate baptize is just a word that means to immerse. That's all it means. We've turned it into a special religious word, but it's not. It was a word that was actually used um, in uh, the, the Greek world to refer to the sinking of a ship. The ship was baptized. Why? Because it was immersed in water. So when you are baptized in water in a church like ours, um, and in the first century, we put you all the way under the water and we bring you up out of the water. It symbolizes Christ's death and resurrection, right? You are immersed in the water. So people who are immersed in the spirit get the spirit inside and out, not just on the outside. Someone can be endued with power. They can be empowered by the Spirit to do something specific, but if they don't get to the place where they open their life and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and be in control, when we call Jesus Lord, that's what happens, then that's just an experience, and that's definitely what happened with Saul. So um, the Lord was unhappy with uh, with Saul, and he said, we're going to move on to another king. Now, I have this on, on my computer here in my notes, but I wanted to bring up a paper Bible and read it there. Um, I am going to read from the uh, New Living Translation, primarily because I'm going to read a longer passage of Scripture, and I think that uh, that, that is uh, going to communicate to you better, all right? So uh, open your mind and open your heart and pay attention. This is 1 Samuel 16. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Now that's really interesting because until this point, we don't have any indication that Saul was dangerous. But see, Samuel had already threatened Saul and told him when he didn't handle the Amalekites right, when he took the spoil for himself, when he kept the king alive, he said, the Lord is taking the kingdom away from you. And Samuel turned to go, and Saul actually reached out and grabbed his robe, and it tore. You know what? Those robes were not made of, you know, like T-shirt material. So I got to thinking about this. I think, first of all, Saul was a big guy, and he was pretty strong, and he'd gotten pretty powerful, and he had a whole army behind him. He reached out, and he grabbed Samuel and pulled his robe so hard that it tore. Well, Samuel didn't give in. He said, and so the Lord has torn the kingdom away from you. But you know what? Saul ended up talking him in to going and honoring Samuel, honoring Saul before the people anyway. But I think this is interesting that Samuel actually expressed fear of this king that he had installed, that he had anointed. How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So there's a special word, anoint. Okay, have you heard this word, anointed? Right? 
So that is what the word Christ means. Jesus Christ, it's not his last name, okay? In fact, oftentimes the, the Apostle Paul says Christ Jesus. Christ is a title. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew word Mashiach, okay? Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one or the chosen one. There is a series out right now um, that's been independently produced called The Chosen. How many of you heard of this series, right? And it's about Jesus. Now, it is a, you know, it's oriented toward being a TV series. So it takes a lot of liberties in terms of creating characters, but it follows the through line of the scripture on the whole. Um, but the reason it's called the chosen is because it's about Christ and he's the chosen. That's what this word anointed means. And the way they designated someone as anointed is they poured oil on them. Well, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to see, the Holy Spirit, well, as we have seen already, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and empowered him to be the king. And the Holy Spirit will also come upon David, okay? Um, I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Verse four, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Now understand, Samuel had been a warrior as well. As a judge, he had been the head of uh, armies in Israel, and he had fought back the Philistines. So, uh, you know, if you, you just think of a preacher like me, um, you're, you're not getting the idea of what uh, men like Samuel were were installed to do, okay? Yes, Samuel replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel, Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took, took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Eliab was the oldest, okay? How many of you in this room are the oldest in your family, Okay. Yes, all right, we're the oldest. We're amazing, aren't we? Okay, um, you, you normally look to the oldest to be the leader. That was the, if you remember, that was the issue between, uh, between um, Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob, although they were fraternal twins, Esau came out first. And so he was technically going to be designated as the one who got the birthright, the, the bulk of the, the inheritance and the blessing. And of course, Jacob, his name meaning supplanter or deceiver, deceived him and took both, right? Um, so being the eldest is significant, but also God had previously chosen Saul. And what did we learn about Saul? He was handsome. He was a head taller than everyone in Israel. And he turned out to be very, very strong and powerful. Well, we look to those people. Well, we used to anyway. I don't know. If we look at our presidents recently, I'm not sure that we look to those people anymore. But we used to look to these, you know, strong, you know, figures that would, uh, that would lead us into battle. Okay. Um, so he took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This has got to be the Lord's choice, chosen one out of Jesse's sons. Now, Jesse, we will see, had eight sons. This was number one. But the Lord said to Samuel, and you should get this because this is the key verse today. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Ooh. We do judge by outward appearance, don't we? We have a tendency to just look at certain people. I mean, you know, I've said this before, but I mean, are there certain people you just look at and you're like, I, I don't like you. I just, 
I don't know why, but I just, I don't like you. You don't even know why you're being judgmental like that, okay? It can be racial, it can be religious, it can be you just don't like their face, you know? You, you don't know why, okay? But nonetheless, we look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse, uh, Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward, second in line, second in birth, and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. The next, next Jesse summoned Shemiah, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So I'm thinking, you know, Samuel would do something like, hmm, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. <laughs> now, you know what I discovered today? That word that is translated youngest can also mean smallest. Hey, yeah, the runt, but he's out in the field. We left him out there because all the important kids are in here, right? Okay, so again, what you and I think is important is not what God thinks is important, right? So Jesse sent for him. Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let me back up. Um, he's in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. So this is interesting. This is the only translation that I've read that, that has it this way, and I'm going to get into it in just a second. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Most older translations will say he was ruddy, right? Which means red, in all likelihood, what we're talking about is somebody that's been in the sun a lot, okay? Those of you that have like real jobs, I mean, I sit in front of a computer and write sermons. You're like out there actually doing things and working hard and you're in the sun, all right? And it just depends, you know, these folks would have been olive complected, so it would have been a, a deep red. Now, it's also possible that David was a redhead. That is possible. And that does happen among the Jewish people as well, okay? He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forth. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. That was his hometown. So I really had a two-part sermon today, but I'm only gonna deliver the first part because I'm just gonna be easy on you guys. My plan is the next time I preach, uh, out of the holy history, I'm going to talk about the, the David and Goliath story, which uh, says a lot about David. But let's go back. I want to make a number of points. Number one, Saul represents a natural man, the natural person, while David represents the spiritual person. Now, I'm kind of giving you an overview, and we're going to see these things as we look at the life of David. But Saul is very definitely a, a natural man. Okay, he looks to the natural, he relies on the natural. Um, God is sort of arm's length for him. But as we're going to see as we get into the life of David, David is a very spiritual person. David wrote half of the Psalms. The Psalms represent the songbook for Israel. So he wasn't just a shepherd, he was also a musician, right? So, you know, he was like our folks up here, but he also worked out in the field and, and did many other things as well. So the application here is, uh, comes from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says the natural person cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
If what I'm communicating to you right now just sounds like gibberish, nonsense, foolishness, you're probably walking in the natural. If when you hear the scripture, you immediately, without even me giving you an application, start sensing the application, then you are probably more of a spiritual person, right? Second point I want to make. Saul looked strong on the outside, but was insecure on the inside. Why? Because he relied on himself and not the Lord. It had nothing to do with his physical capability. Um, we find out that later, although David may have been the smallest, he got really pretty, probably pretty big and pretty powerful and was an amazing warrior. See, it's a matter, you may have certain natural gifts. You may be a good athlete. You may be a good musician. Um, you may be good with numbers, any number of things. You can either rely on yourself or you can give that uh, over to the Lord, recognizing that, recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadow. You may not feel like you have uh, very many natural gifts, or maybe you haven't identified any um, that are, uh, are uh, prominent or, you know, worthy of note. But, you know, as I've said a number of times in here recently, God doesn't uh, call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if you don't have anything to offer but yourself, that's what the Lord wants. If you have gifts to offer, well, then when you offer up yourself, you're offering up those gifts as well, right? Third point I want to make, David was young and possibly small, so he didn't really look like a leader at this point in time. He didn't look like a leader on the outside, but he was confident on the inside because he trusted God. Now, we're not going to really see this until next week when we, see, uh, when we talk about this, or next week after that, whenever I do it, uh, the story about David and Goliath. So, Really, the theme to this whole message today comes from uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7. And it is this, people look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord is looking at your heart. He's not looking at what you have to offer as an ex on the external, okay? He's looking at your heart. And David was called a man after God's own heart. And Saul was never a man after God's own heart. So, you know, as an application question, which are you an external person or are you an internal person? Do you look at the heart or do you look at the, the, the externals that the person is going to offer? Do you judge by appearances? Do you seek or do you seek to understand the heart of the person that you're looking at? People have a lot of hangups today. Again, I'm going back to the 70s with these terms that I'm using, you know, inferiority complex and hangups and all these stuff. But people have a lot of hangups today. They really do, okay? You know, especially somebody like me that, you know, that's older. I look at some of y'all younger people. I'm like, y'all are weird. You got, let's see, we had hangups in my day too, and I have hangups as well. We all have... The, the, the standard we need to be looking to for normal is Jesus, amen? As if you look at any other standard for normal, you're gonna find out that it, it, it always breaks down. There is a standard for normal and that's Jesus. You and I need to be seeking to pattern our lives after Jesus, right? If we have kids, we need to be seeking to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord and pointing them to Jesus. That's what we need to be doing because he is the perfect human being. He is everything we are supposed to be, but are not or cannot be without him. So um, what I would say is when you look at other people, try to look at their heart, right? Try to look at their motivation. Um, 
I don't know. I could give an example. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. And it wouldn't be anybody in this room anyway. But then you're going to go where I'm talking about, look at this kid and think, you know, whatever. I won't say who it is or where it is, but uh, there's, there's a young person that I see periodically that, uh, that is uh, at one of the restaurants that I go to. And this dude is quirky as all get out. I just, and, and there's a tendency in me to go, why are you such a quirky kid, you know? But I start looking at this person's heart and it changes my natural tendency to be judgmental and questioning and say, well, wait a minute, I don't know where he's coming from. I don't, I have my, I don't know what his hangups are. I got to look at the heart. And what I would say is this, if you have a difficult time understanding how to look at someone's heart, you need to pray for discernment. Pray that the Lord will give you discernment. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit where he will enable you to understand where people are coming from even before you have the opportunity to fully discuss things with them, right? But nonetheless, rather than be prejudicial, prejudge someone, sit down and talk with them. In fact, better yet, sit down and listen to them. See, I'm a preacher, so I do a lot of talking. But when I sit down and have uh, relational uh, conversations with people, I really try to do a lot more listening so that I can listen into their heart and try to understand where they're coming from. And, you know, hopefully at some point in time, maybe try to be there for them. Next point I want to make is like Saul, the spirit of God came upon David when he was anointed. Um, I like how, how it, uh, how it says it here. Um, it says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So he was anointed with oil, and that was the symbolic recognition of God choosing him. But the oil represented the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit came upon him and was consistently empowering him from that day forward. Throughout David's life, David consistently relied on the Lord, trusted the Lord. He made mistakes, and we'll probably see one or two of those but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit the whole way. The Spirit, I love how it says this, the Spirit of God rushed upon David from that day forward. There's an old musical artist named Keith Green who has a song called Rushing Wind, and it represents the Holy Spirit, rushing wind. And uh, you know what, it kind of reminds me, it's windy today, right? But were y'all out in the, in the weather yesterday? Dude, like I was sitting there, I was over at Intrinsic, and I was out in there a little... Uh, half roof beer garden, whatever they call it over there, um, because it was just getting so loud inside. And I mean, I set my glasses down and the wind was blowing my glasses off the table. <laughs> I was like, dude, it is windy today, right? So think about the Holy Spirit as wind. Think about you as the sail and the Holy Spirit fills that sail and blows you and pushes you where he wants you to go. Amen? Yeah, that's a good symbol. I like that. The Holy Spirit is oil. The Holy Spirit is wind. Now, last point I want to make uh, for this week. And aren't you thankful I didn't go into part two of the sermon? You, you, get, to go, you get, get to go today. Um, David didn't become king right away. He was basically a kid when he got anointed. And we're going to find out next, well, whenever I preach on David and Goliath, that his brothers were jealous of him. He's the little guy. He's the runt. And God says, that's the one I'm choosing. And the brothers are like, <laughs> But he didn't become king right away. David went through a lot of testing and trial and challenge. And again, as we look at the life of David, which may take 
three or four weeks, we were going to see uh, those, those tests and those challenges, right? Um, it was many years of preparation and testing. So it's probable that David was in his mid-teens when this anointing happened, right? He might have been 14, 15 years old. It wasn't until he was 30 that he was king over any part of the kingdom. So that's half a lifetime. Now, for me, thinking back 15 years is nothing. But when you're 15, thinking forward 15 years, that's a lifetime, and that's a lot, right? There's, you probably uh, consider that you went through a whole lot more experiences when you were younger because every moment and every hour is more significant because it's a smaller portion of your life. As we get older, we look back. I look back 15 years ago, and I'm like, well, that wasn't that long ago, Right? But some of you younger people in here, if you look back 15 years ago, what are you thinking? You're like, dang, Pastor Darrell, you old. That's what you're thinking, all right? Here are some good scriptures to, uh, to kind of bring this, uh, this last point to our application. Maybe you sensed when you were younger that you were supposed to go places with your life. Maybe you really thought you were gonna be able to do some things and that just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you responded to a call when you were younger to, I don't know what, be a youth pastor or a missionary or a pastor or, or any number of things. And that just hasn't happened. Well, first of all, are you pursuing that call? Because there are plenty of people that just give up, okay? But some people pursue that call in their lives and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. And there are some promises that we should hold on to when we're going through that, because you are in process. This world, even your calling in this world, is not the point, right? This ain't heaven. This isn't the final state. The point is that you become more like Jesus and that you follow in his footsteps, that you follow his light. He's the light of the world. You are a reflection of that light, and you follow that light through this life because the point happens in the next life. We receive the gift of eternal life. We begin following Jesus now, but we don't receive our inheritance in fullness until we get to the other side. Listen to what it says. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, As for you, my brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Say that. Say, never tire of doing what is good. Well, that's, you know, that's just a straight-up command, but here's, uh, that's the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians. Here's the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.9, and he makes the same command, but he adds the promise. Let us not become weary in doing good. Maybe you heard the old translation, grow not weary in well-doing. Anybody ever hear that? Okay, that comes from here. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, it hasn't happened yet. Or you've only received a portion of, of what you assumed the Lord was going to give you. Are you ready to give up? I'm telling you, over the last three years, there's been a lot of temptation for me. It's, this has been a rough three years. Has it not been a rough three years? It has been a rough three years, and it's been a rough three years in this church, right? 
It's like there's one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And it's just really easy to just say, you know what? Forget it. I give up. I don't go back to, you know, uh, being the program director of a foster care group home. I'd make a lot more money that way anyway. But I'm not going to give up on you. Amen? So don't give up on me. Amen? All right. Let's not give up. Listen to what it says. Hebrews 10, 36. You need to persevere. Say, I need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Amen? So stick it out. Don't give up. God always keeps his promises, even if it seems as though it's taking too much time. So friends, I'm not giving up on you. I pray you're not going to give up on this church or give up on me. I pray you don't give up. If you had a calling on your life when you were younger, and maybe you've been tempted to give up, or maybe you just kind of sat down for a minute or an hour or a few years, then can I just encourage you to get up and start walking forward on that narrow road again? Don't give up on the Lord. He will not give up on you. Reaffirm your faith in him today. 